We're looking to the future with the Slow Flowers Floral Insights and Industry Forecast. Join Robin Avni and me as we discuss the key themes and ideas for you to embrace as your floral enterprise enters 2024. Farmers love the land. I think farmers are going to be some of the real heroes of climate change. So the takeaway is that flower farms that propagate native varieties may discover potentially new native perennial floral crops. This anti-consumption is permeating all sectors, yet the floral industry has been really lagging a little bit in this shift. Sustainably-minded creatives have voiced their needs. However, when suppliers and manufacturers are non-responsive to changing attitudes, floral artists have stepped in to fill that void and to find solutions. Is fragrance important in flowers? Yes, says one of our members, Stephanie Bittner. Stephanie says creating and maintaining a fragrant garden requires no more time or effort than just gardening. Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. This is episode 643. This is the weekly podcast about slow flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This show is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free online directory to more than 750 florists, shops, and studios who design with local, seasonal, and sustainable flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to Store It Cold, creators of the revolutionary CoolBot, a popular solution for flower farmers, studio florists, and farmer florists. You can save thousands when you build your own walk-in cooler with the CoolBot and an air conditioner. If you don't have time to build your own, they also have turnkey units available. Learn more at storeitcold.com. Well, it's 2024. Welcome to a new year. This is the 10th year we've produced the Slow Flowers Floral Insights and Industry Forecast which originated in 2015 as a series of media presentations that we also shared with members and listeners. This episode is accompanied by two important free resources. First, a video report that I recently recorded with my co-host Robin Avni, creative director of Bloom Imprint, our Slow Flowers publishing venture. This is the video companion to today's podcast. We have also produced a 38-page digital magazine-style report filled with deeper analysis of each of our 2024 insights. That link is also available in today's show notes for episode 643 at slowflowerspodcast.com. Here's a bit more about Robin Avni. She is a creative veteran in the media and high-tech industries whose experience includes 15-plus years in the publishing industry and eight years at Microsoft in design and creative management. Robin has successfully managed innovative, award-winning design teams and high-profile projects, and she has received numerous national design and photography editing awards for her own work. Robin has produced more than 15 books, including seven titles created for the Bloom Imprint catalog. In 2004, following Microsoft, she founded Bricolage, a consultancy 
specializing in creative strategy, content development, and trend analysis focused on the home and garden category. She has worked with Fortune 500 companies, national advertising agencies, and award-winning media properties, applying timely, actionable insights to their businesses. We're so lucky to have Robin partner with us to produce our forecast. So let's jump right in and embrace 2024. We're calling it the year of simplicity. I can't wait for you to learn about each of the insights and the people who have influenced and inspired us to identify them. Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Show. This is episode 643, and I'm Deborah Prinzing. We've just turned the calendar page to 2024, and today we're presenting the annual Slow Flowers Floral Insights and Industry Forecast. I'm so pleased today to be joined by my partner, Robin Avni of Bloom Imprint. Hi, Robin. Hi, everybody. Robin is the creative director of Bloom Imprint, our publishing venture, and we've been personal and professional friends for 15 years or more, and I'm so glad that she's joined me today. Since 2015, Slow Flowers has published an annual forecast with insights and predictions of emerging themes and topics informing cultural shifts in the floral marketplace. This is the fourth year that Bloom Imprint and Slow Flowers have partnered to produce the forecast, which you'll see in the slides today, and also in our 38-page digital product. It's like a little flip book, and we will release that on January 1st. Thanks, Deborah. I'm really happy to join you as we present our insights for the key themes and notable topics on the horizon for 2024. Our analysis has become an important gauge for our members, as well as for the greater floral marketplace and business media. We evaluate prevailing cultural shifts, notable changes, and breakout ideas, influencing not only the general culture, but flower farming, floral design, and consumer attitudes about flowers. We gather insights from our interviews, we turn to market research, we scour export resources to inform our predictions around emerging cultural and lifestyle changes. And knowing about these shifts will assist you in preparing for the year ahead. Just so you know, to prepare this package, Deborah and I fill our ideas folder over the course of the whole year. We start last January and to begin to this year. We collect links to articles and interviews. We share screenshots back and forth with each other. Of, Did you see this Instagram post? We read PDFs of books we've been sent to review and we discuss our lived experiences season by season. So to this treasure trove of ideas, we have drawn from the first person conversations as we gather our impressions about lifestyle themes that are moving to the forefront of our awareness and general awareness. To our 2024 Slow Flowers forecast, we want to share seven key insights that we've identified for you to explore, evaluate, and consider your floral enterprise. So for each insight, we're, we'll review the influence of the larger culture, our Slow Flowers community, and what it means for your business. It's exciting. Let's go. Okay. Oh, what are we going to call it? Uh, we're calling 2024 the year of simplicity. After recently spending time with famed British floral designer Shane Connolly, who was here in Seattle on a lecture tour, we can't stop thinking about a lesson he shared. Shane drew our attention to the idea of the, the abundance of less, which is based on a book by Andy Couturier. 
As Shane applied his concept of cherishing the season's best floral choices to his practices, he urged us to appreciate the blooms and stems that the garden offers and to design with attention and intention. These ideas seem entirely fitting as guiding principles for this year's forecast. At the heart of it, this topic is values-driven. Yes, it means making seasonality and sustainability more central to your floral enterprise, but in the larger cultural context, we believe that increasingly seeking less is a reaction to the reality of the times. So here we go. Our first insight we're calling native floral. So paying closer attention to our ecosystems, most of us are recognizing, um, you know, indigenous floral and valuing its benefits to wildlife, soil health, and providing uncommon beauty in bloom, leaf, and pod. Basically, sometimes it's not even, it's more like not even looking past our own backyard, it's right there. So interest in native plants aligns with the awareness that small actions can help address climate change. As flower farmers add native plants species to their crop mixes. They inspire florists seeking inspiration for naturalistic designs that highlight the native flora. We touched on native perennials as a source of floral design inspiration in last year's non-floral florals insight, in which we noted the work of flower farmer Alexandra Cacciari of Ann Arbor-based Sealy Farm, who has spent two years evaluating native perennials as cut flowers. Her work has influenced several Slow Flowers members who are now exploring native plants as potential floral design elements for the long term. According to our most recent Slow Flowers survey, 87% of our members are growing native perennials, annuals, grasses, and ornamental shrubs as part of their crop mix. We believe that incorporating native plants into your farm or garden means learning a new floral language. And we highlighted what two of our members are doing in this area. Uh, what you see here is a wonderful prairie wedding designed by uh, Holly Lukasiewicz of uh, District 2 Floral Studio. It was a late summer wedding with native prairie flowers that she made for clients who were interested in bees and pollinators. Another one of our members, Deborah Majeris of Iron Butterfly Farm, renovated a landscape at her guest house by replacing a, a grass lawn with native flowers and grasses. Her property is now a demonstration garden that helps combat climate change. We love this quote from Deborah, which is part of her essay on growing native plants to combat climate change contributed to the forecast. It captures a sentiment of our native flora insight. Farmers love the land. I think farmers are going to be some of the real heroes of climate change, as we know better and do better. In many ways, we are going back to the way things were done years ago. So the takeaway is that flower farms that propagate native varieties may discover potentially new sustainable sources of revenue. And likewise, as florists increase their awareness of native habitats, they'll embrace the seasonality of native perennial floral crops. Thanks, Deborah. Our next insight we call the garden eclectic, acknowledging the ways our cultivated garden environments influence preferences and choices in floral design. We know this because many of our members refer to garden inspired, nature inspired, or cottage garden style, among other poetic themes to describe their aesthetics. So translating the garden for a floral customer is entirely subjective, we know. And we, we note that the sensory stimulations, scent, palate, texture, and flavor 
are the attributes that connect people with nature. When it comes to color, we've long been moving beyond beige and blush. Note our first Slow Flowers Floral Industry Insights in 2015, where everybody was doing beige and blush. And when it comes to scent, we celebrate the move away from a hybridized, unscented flower to the perfume, the natural perfume a garden offers. The Garden Eclectic celebrates sensory pleasures, particularly color palette and fragrance. On the topic of color, we report that after years when there was no obvious winning color preference among Slow Flowers members, it was all over the place, there's a clear choice that has emerged in 2024. 33% of our respondents indicated a top preference for warm and saturated palettes, and those palettes are up 7% from last year, which is significant. So just when we're celebrating this news that Slow Flowers members cited warm and saturated, Petal Hughes is the top of the spectrum, along comes a sweet surprise. Pantone's color of the year, 2024, is peach fuzz. It's a fitting companion to darker palettes, and we know that the flower farmers and florists can deliver. Peach is a personal player in weddings, um, fashion, beauty, home interiors, landscapes. So we're all in. Get your peach fuzz going. <laughs> I'm so glad it's a color that actually comes in, in flowers. <laughs> um, the Garden Eclectic Insight is also, as we said, a tribute to fragrance and its intoxicating influence. Is fragrance important in flowers? Yes, says one of our members, Stephanie Bittner, owner of Homestead Design Collective based in Northern California. She's the co-author of a forthcoming book called The Fragrant Flower Garden, Growing, Arranging, and Preserving Natural Scents, which will be out this spring. She co-authored this book with Alethea Harampolis and features photography by David Fenton, which you see in this insight. Stephanie says creating and maintaining a fragrant garden requires no more time or effort than just gardening. And um, she sees that the bounty and blessings are multiplied, resulting in a landscape that's both uh, beautiful and wondrously fragrant. When you bring your flower harvest indoors, you're further rewarded with fragrance and beauty inside your home. So this takeaway, leading with fragrance to engage customers' emotional memories with the scent of the flower, that maybe a flower from their past, a flower that brings back memories, that's a way to connect and uh, as a bonus, in this insight, when you read the report, we've highlighted our members' top 12 fragrant flower choices. So that might get you uh, give you a good start on what to plant next year. Thanks, Deborah. We call our third insight florist hack attacks. So bottom-up innovation occurs during economic downtimes. Um, we all know that. We're trying to... to be creative with what we have. And while saving money is one motivation for homemade remedies, the other is clearly a desire to avoid using single-use plastics and packaging and to eliminate chemical and petroleum-based floral items in the studio. So this momentum began with the groundswell of hashtag foam-free sentiments and continued onto the use of plant-based dyes to transform ribbons and table linens. There seems to be no limit to what florists wanting to formulate non-tap materials can achieve in design solutions. Every day offers something new on Instagram, and there are several people out there who are really pushing the envelope. So this anti-consumption is permeating all sectors, yet the floral industry has been really lagging a little bit in this shift. Sustainably minded creatives have voiced their needs. However, when suppliers and manufacturers are non-responsive to changing 
um, attitudes, floral artists have stepped in to fill that void and to find solutions. And what's most inspiring is how generous they become with sharing the results of what they find. They're not keeping it to themselves. They're innovating. They're seeking new approaches to their work by way of DUI or hack approach. And in recent months, the always experimental Susan McCleary introduced her flowers to dried gourds that she uses as raw materials for stem mechanics and natural water vessels. This arrangement right here that you see on the screen actually has at its very center in that white vessel, a gourd. And all of these flowers are arranged within that gourd. I love it. Thank you, Susan McCleary, for that image and those the, those tips. Um, the takeaway for this insight is that sustainably-minded creatives have voiced their needs. Um, when suppliers and manufacturers are non-responsive, floral artists step into the void to find solutions. In our report, we highlighted two other floral designers whose innovations are solving obvious needs for chemical-free applications for both adhesives and flower color, pink color for flowers. First, Suzanne Law shared her all-natural rice glue recipe for flowers and other materials like cardboard. Her lit she literally cooked up her kitchen recipe with pantry ingredients and memories of her mother using a cooked grain of rice to seal money envelopes for Chinese New Year. So you can find that recipe in our report. And thank you, Suzanne. We also report on sustainable color as an alternative to aerosol paint for altering botanicals. And that's with, with Tin Can Studios' Ingrid Carosi. Ingrid has been researching whether there is a safe way to paint foliage that's less environmentally harmful than synthetic aerosol paint, which also is plastic-based. She says, I prefer not to paint anything, but there are times every now and then when we find it might be necessary to use a small amount of painted material. And you see a design of hers on the right. She said, for example, I might have a client that I've signed off with and then the design direction changes and they need a teal colored accent. And this is one of the things that Ingrid has done and she shares the resources in our um, report uh, for water-based um, safe color pigments for flowers. So you'll want to check out that report. Uh, you'll also find links to Sue McCleary's resource for gourds and, as I said, Ingrid's resources for paint and Suzanne's recipe. Great. So our next insight, invasive plant alternatives. So we know that invasive plants are in the news, um, you know, which means there's a greater awareness among consumers and it's beginning to permeate the market. As native plants and their benefits move to the forefront, the problems surrounding aggressive or invasive plants is undeniable. So it's interesting from the headlines about how invasive grasses fueled Maui's devastating fires in 2023 to the humorous Geico insurance commercial that spoofs invasive weeds taking over the house and the yard, <laughs> awareness of the harm caused by plants classified as invasive is moving into the mainstream. People know what you're talking about when you say invasive species. In the slow member survey, 51% of respondents say, I educated myself about plants that are listed on my state province, my state or province's invasive species list. 21% say, I do not grow invasive species, but I forage the items that may or may not be known to be invasive. And 18%, I'm actively replacing plant varieties of invasive species with non-invasive or native plants as alternatives. 
While the nursery trade and cut flower growers have far to go in terms of self-education and self-regulation, it's up to proactive consumers and floral professionals to raise the alarm and make change. Our thinking is influenced by Becky Feesby of Prairie Girl Flowers, whose white paper, Florist Invasive Species and Protecting the Natural World, outlines the floral industry's challenge around preferred botanicals that are, in fact, invasive or environmentally harmful. Becky uh, goes on to outline six ways that flower farmers, floral designers, and wholesalers can address invasive plant species. You'll want to check out those tips in the report as well as a link to her white paper. In the coming year, we'll see more flower farmers and florists address invasives and seek non-invasive and native plants as alternative design elements to replace previous options. One such example is illustrated here from Rachel Ackerman of Blue Sky Flower Farm in Minnesota. She's growing American Bittersweet, a non-invasive cultivar of a native plant which does not spread like Oriental Bittersweet. With her experience in horticulture and working in the nursery industry, Rachel's aware of properly identifying, working with, and promoting only non-invasive plant species. And when you read the report, you'll see specific descriptions about the, um, the color of the berries and the casing around the berries and how to identify American bittersweet uh, as possibly a, a plant you could grow or ask your, your farmers to grow in your region that does not spread like Oriental bittersweet. So more on that to come, but we are tracking native um, plant alternatives to invasive species, and we hope encourage you to do that in your area. Thanks, Deborah. So to go along with all the innovations that we see among our florists and our farmers, and in tandem with florist hack attacks, our next insight magnifies the importance of homemade solutions from flower farmers. So whether the motivation is budget savings or just reducing reliance on conventional agricultural practices, we know that a gradual, simpler, more sustainable, and circular approach to farming is underway. So slow flower members can begin by making smaller, large steps toward climate-conscious growing practices, says Brianna Bosch of Blossom and Branch Farm in Lakewood, Colorado. Colorado, who you see here in the picture. She is the author of a forthcoming book about regenerative gardening practices and often shares sustainable techniques on her farm's YouTube channel, such as making plant-based fertilizers for seed starting. She says it's all about switching up the mindset to lessen outside inputs and asking, how can I use what I have and make it more affordable, she explains. To reinforce the importance of this shift, we look at the biodiversity farming practices from Slow Flowers annual member survey, including 91% of respondents have reduced or eliminated use of systemic pesticides and our herbicides. That's a staggering number. That's a staggering percentage. 82% yeah. are planting pollinator-friendly gardens. 71% on-farm compost production. 62% use no-till practices and 53% use cover crops and they plant cover crops. These are all very, very significant statistics and what is happening and beginning to happen and spread throughout the farmer community. Your takeaway is encouraging and teaching your community about making mindful choices and using safer practices is an easy way to express the values of your floral enterprise. As Brianna says, a lot of people are following flower farmers now because flower farming is having a moment. It's wise to help people learn and use what's available to them, what's in proximity to their garden. 
Another homemade solution taken straight from organic homesteading practices is comfrey compost tea from our friends at Crowley House Flower Farm in Rick Real, Oregon. Flower farmer Beth Cyphers brews the nutrient-rich liquid amendment using all the parts of the comfrey plant, a member of the borage family. Beth explains that the comfrey plant has deep tap roots, and those tap roots draw nutrients and minerals from the soil that come into the plant. So when she uses uh, her farm brewed solution with of comfrey, she's transmitting all of those minerals to her drenches and to her um, her sprays that she applies to foliage. So. Some of the instructions are in our report and you'll see some photos, but Beth advises that you can either soak the pieces of the comfrey in buckets or bins of water and just let them kind of decompose over a few weeks. Be sure to stir frequently. Or if you have an electric compost tea brewer, um, she speeds up the process a bit and uses that because the electric um, uh, machine will then cause the bubbles and aeration in the liquid. Uh, anyway, it's one really cool recipe that is drawn from the past that is being re revitalized on farms, both uh, like what Brianna's doing in Colorado and what Beth is doing in Oregon. So we're excited to hear about other natural home brews and solutions amendments and, and um, remedies for your farm. So keep us posted on what you're doing. We are going to continue to report and share these insights during 2024. Yeah, leave it to Beth to come up <laughs> with, uh, you know. <laughs> to make comfrey look sexy. <laughs> I know, and, and to make it sound so wonderful. <laughs> well, I have to say, Deborah, I think both of you and I are really in love with this next insight called floral literacy, which has just been inspired by the infusion of flowers into every facet of culture. I mean, we know it's it's been in, in a lot of um, products for years, and certainly artists have painted flowers forever. But Madison Avenue seems to have discovered uh, flowers as an advertising icon. And with many stores um, using different flower, flower and floral displays as part of to launch a campaign or to align with a season. Um, so you can't miss the presence of flowers on runways, flowers, storefronts, flowers and dining experiences. Florals are branding everything from beauty to technology, which is wanting to put that human touch. It seems like a bit of an oxymoron. As marketers leverage their refreshing, wholesome, and ecological appeal. Flowers lure us in the way delicious food lures us. How can we have more flowers in our lives is what we're all asking. At the same time, we're feeling a general atmosphere of concern and caution about the economy. And this translates to a a somewhat of a hesitation in consumer spending and a shift from wants to needs. So as we can, as this happens, what we continue to see is a spike in seed sales, nursery plants successfully merchandising around cutting gardens for consumers, and an interest in foraging. These actions reflect two somewhat conflicting realities. We love flowers, but we want to have them in a sustainable way. We know flower consumers are feeling empowered as gardeners and DIY florists. They wanna follow the seasons, already a mainstream notion in the culinary world, um, but now very prevalent in what can I grow and what can I have year round. Then now the presence of florals enhance experiences. It promotes wellness. It helps support local businesses and farms. There's just a lot of goodness all the way around. To that end, 
We believe it's important to understand your customers and what they're seeking. People who want the who are floral literate fall into three different categories that we've identified. We look at it as the home gardener, the acreage owner interested in generating a little bit of extra income with some raised beds or a quarter acre, and the professional grower. So create a floral literate avatar and develop events and product offerings tailored to the consumer niche that bets fist your floral experience. Pick one project to offer in 2024 and see how it resonates with your consumers and your clients and your customers. And one example that we really focused on, as you can see the, the list of the uh, avatars here, um, is uh the desire to rediscover pressing flowers. And the the image that you just saw on the slide uh, prior is from our friend Sue Getz, and um, you can read more about her in our report. Um, so our members are already down this road to embracing floral literacy. Uh, we looked at three things that are happening in the floral marketplace to illustrate uh, floral literacy and to give you some ideas for what you can do in your enterprise. We look to retail expansion, as I mentioned, the art of pressed flowers and its revival, and the continued desi to des desire for flower farm experiences. In retail expansion, we cite several Slow Flowers members who opened new retail shops for the first time in 2023. Contradicting the story that floral retail is declining, these destinations attract floral literate shoppers. Uh, one of our members, Sydney Garby of Flowers by Garby Gardens, said, Our storefront allows us to support additional local growers and to get more local flowers into the community. Susan Chambers of the shop at Bloom and Couture in San Francisco um, has expanded floral design to bespoke gifting all of which has some kind of connection to the garden, to botanicals, to flowers. She says, uh, we've chosen the most perfect gifts wrapped beautifully, and we focus on small brands that we personally love. So it really reflects her aesthetic and floral design, and now she's moving into gifts. Um, the fascination with flower pressing checks all the boxes for consumers. It's a form of art. It's a way to preserve and dry flowers, and it's an experience, a hands-on experience. We love the work of author and designer, uh, Sue Getz of Creative Gardener, whose work I just mentioned, she combines pressed flowers and herbs with ephemera to make art. Sarah Dakin and Tom Precht of Grateful Gardeners in Poolsville, Maryland, recently hosted a pressed flower workshop, and they say that the floral crafting practice is accessible to all ages, incomes, and skill levels. I love what Sarah said. I love to think about dried and pressed flowers as a mechanism to freeze time. It's a lost art rediscovered. Brooklyn artist Lacey Porta of Frame Florals is known for very expensive, one-of-a-kind wedding flower preservation. Now people can experience her art for $1, literally four quarters, that you put into this flower pressed flower vending machine. You see the photo here. Um, it's on display at Stems Brooklyn, which is one of our members in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Lacey says, I like to think of it as a fortune machine because you put four quarters into the slot and receive a little floral inspiration in return. And you can get a little pressed flower, a sticker, or a, a temporary tattoo, all botanical. We also identified floral tourism originally in 2017 as one of our insights. And that is continuing on. For 2024, 
flower focus experiences have shifted to widespread cultural popularity. This photo is from All Dahlia Up Flower Farm in Palmer, Alaska, where Misty Vanderweel offers on-farm experiences and events that invite customers to engage with the natural beauty of the 49th state. What's happening, though, is her farm-to-table dinners on a flower farm are tourism experiences that's getting support from her community and her state tourism agencies. When I started flower farming commercially and hosting our first dinners and tours, I knew my flower flower farm had something unique to offer Alaskans and my surrounding community. But now it reaches a broader audience of in-state and out-of-state customers and consumers and professionals alike. And it's just been really gratifying to see this grow for All Dahlia Up. So let's, before we move on, let's add seed literacy uh, to this insight as we celebrate uh, the noteworthy new book, How We Sow, by our friend Jennifer Jewell, who uh, writes about a tribute to the importance um, and the essential role of seed preservation, seed saving, and seed justice in the lifestyle, life cycle of people's plants, and the planet. Uh, So seed literacy is the subtext to floral literacy. From seed to bloom. That's right. What we do. Yes. Okay. So we're excited to share the final insight, which is called Creative Sisterhood. You've seen it, you've heard it, or perhaps you've even participated in it. Thanks to three female economic forces who permeated our collective consciousness in the summer of 2023. Yes, we're talking about Beyonce, Taylor, and Barbie. They have personally helped transform our economy. Their box office breaking and life affirming cultural events became a must be at experience for women of all ages, um, not to mention a boost in friendship bracelet sales. <laughs> but their, their girl magic continues to inspire. It hasn't gone away. And as the boundaries break down, all kinds of new friendships are being made. Sisterhoods are truly empowering. And the reality that women together can change the conversation of our time is inspiring. And we all want to be a part of it. Women want to move beyond sip and clip parties and trans deeper con- and transcend into deeper connections. Through the pandemic, ongoing social unrest, and the need to provide care to our families, you know, we're shouldering a lot these days. So finding a way to fill up with a community of women, with your girlfriends, with one sisterhood is essential and energizing. Let's be honest, more than ever, new farmers entering the agricultural world are most likely female solopreneurs. They naturally find one another, even others who might have once been considered competition. We believe the model of collaboration and collective energy, a model that makes the world a better place and could be highly compatible with floral activities and events that you could host and expand and share and create community, form collectives and cooperatives, the efforts of female floral entrepreneurs reflect new opportunities for market local flowers. Flower people may be competitors, but the vast majority are supportive of one another, which is why we are witnessing the explosion of regional wholesale flower hubs as mostly female growers and designers seek to make an economic impact for themselves. That's right. And this photo that you had, by the way, is two groups uh, in our area, Robin, who came together, the Gig Harbor Flower uh, Collective and the new West Sound Flower Exchange. Um, They had a 
a coffee and pie event that I got to attend, and it was really, really uplifting. All right. Well, 68% of our members say that connecting with like-minded floral professionals is one of the reasons they value their participation in the Slow Flowers uh, Society. We know that when we break down the barriers through shared interests, we, they, there can be more of an authentic, deeper connection. And of course, we can do business too. The Creative Sisterhood is reflected across the Slow Flowers movement, and in our insight, we shared a wonderful story about how women connect uh, through Slow Flowers, especially at the Slow Flowers Summit. Uh, you'll want to read more in the report, uh, and the link uh, to that report will be shared in our show notes for this episode at slowflowerspodcast.com. Uh, in fact, I wanted to share this uh, this screenshot of Women Leading Change because it's the theme of last week's Slow Flowers podcast episode, underscoring the economic power of creative women whose collective talents inspire changes that benefit the wider floral marketplace. We highlighted Jamie Reeves, Slow Flowers member and co-founder of the Local Flower Collective in Toronto. She's the subject of a new documentary series called Women Leading Change. The series includes video profiles celebrating the role that women entrepreneurs and grassroots organizers are playing in building sustainable food and farming systems uh, in communities across Canada. So let's continue the momentum and embrace female leadership in 2024. I'm in. <laughs> yep, you me, me too. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us as we shared our insights and forecasts for 2024. We're incredibly inspired by the passion and talents of the Slow Flowers community as the intentional choices that you bring to your floral enterprise help shape the future of the Slow Flowers movement. Deborah and I are profoundly moved by the many ways you meld your values with the love of flowers. As you bring your creativity into the floral marketplace, you are not losing sight of sustainability and community in all facets of your work. And for that, we salute you. So we hope you have a beautiful, peaceful, and prosperous 2024. You can find us at slowflowersociety.com or bloomimprint.com. And throughout this year in the pages of our e-zine Slow Flowers Journal, you'll find content that informs your place in the floral landscape. And as we wrap up, I must extend my deepest gratitude to Robin Avni for all that she has done to elevate and polish this forecast. Uh, we're so proud of it. And we see a lot of forecasts, and we think this one is just spot on for our community. Background, never a You're an invaluable partner, and I'm so glad to collaborate with you. And as right. we mentioned, the replay video of this presentation and the entire uh, deck and link to our published report uh, will be at soulflowerspodcast.com. Look for episode 643. Thank you. Thank you. Happy New Year. so much for joining us today. Visit slowflowerspodcast.com for episode 643 to find our show notes and watch the full video of my conversation with Robin Avni. As I mentioned, there is a link in the show notes to our full report and you'll want to spend time discovering more about each insight because we've collected additional resources, beautiful imagery, and deeper reading material there. Our next thank you goes to Red Twig Farms. Based in Johnstown, Ohio, Red Twig Farms is a family-owned farm specializing in peonies, daffodils, 
tulips, and branches. You can learn more at redtwigfarms.com. The Slow Flower Summit Early Bird Registration Campaign has come to a close, and we congratulate the folks who took advantage of the money savings opportunity to grab early registration. Ticket sales continue through June, and if you're already a Slow Flowers member, you'll still receive $100 off your registration, which is the equivalent of the standard annual membership, so basically it pays for itself. In the coming weeks, we'll be highlighting more of our speakers and more about some of the special experiences associated with joining our community in Banff, Alberta, Canada, June 23rd through 25th. I can't wait to see you there. We mentioned the first 2024 Slow Flowers member virtual meetup last week, and I've got more details to share. You can join us Friday, January 12th, 2024, when we welcome Slow Flowers member Jessica Stewart of Pittsburgh-based Bramble and Blossom. We're calling this session Secrets of a Sustainable Wedding Florist. Jessica will share her philosophy around communication during the sales process, including describing how you design for seasonality by sourcing from local farms, how to make this clear in contracts and proposals, and how she sources and plans for weddings and installations. Jessica's expertise is priceless, and you'll want to join us and bring your sustainable wedding questions. You can find the pre-registration link in today's show notes, and we hope to see you in the Zoom room Friday, January 12th at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. Our next thank you goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. One more item of note. If you missed the January Slow Flowers newsletter in your inbox, it dropped a few days ago, you can find the link in today's show notes. The newsletter is filled with lots of floral goodness, free resources, news, and more for the month of January. Let's bring our best to 2024. It has the potential to be a challenging year in so many ways. And I believe staying mindful of your values and focused on your personal mission, those are important ways to manage any uncertainty. Remember, we're committed to simplicity and not chaos. I hope today's forecast will inspire your intentions. Thank you for joining me today. The Slow Flowers Podcast is a member-supported endeavor, downloaded more than 1 million times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of our domestic cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. If you're new to our weekly show or our long-running podcast, check out all of our resources at slowflowerssociety.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of The Slow Flowers Show and The Slow Flowers Podcast. The Slow Flowers Podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more slow flowers on the table, one stem, one vase at a time. Thanks so much for joining us today, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.